Well, good evening and welcome to the Psych Comp Shop. So, guys, tell us about your new project you're working on. Well, we just uh, <laughs> we we just finished a book. Uh, it's called Entering the Mind, uh -huh. and it's literally about entering your mind and uh, looking to explore it in new ways, in different ways, particularly mm -hmm. to to seek out its natural state. Right, which is, which is the is essence scary. of us all. It's, it's scary. It, the idea of it is scary, but actually doing it is amazing. Cool. So how did y'all get to working together? Well, we do everything together. Yeah. <laughs> We're partners in life, partners in crime, partners in love, partners in everything. So, uh -huh. yeah, we we pretty much do everything together. We've done our projects together in New York and L.A. And uh, mm -hmm. we have a magazine together called Riot Material. It's an art magazine, art and literature. Mm -hmm. um, the book uh, I wrote over the last year while Rachel was producing her own record. So, you know, and we're doing this side by side and kind of talking to each other through the whole thing. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. How is it, you know, I get this all the time. Someone asked you guys, how is it working with your partner? Like oh, being well, side by side, working day in and day out with them. Yeah. yeah. Well, we love it. I it's mean, super easy. We, it's easy because we're easy. You know, yeah. we don't put we don't put too much pressure on each other. Chris is good at some things. I'm good at other things. We kind of balance it out, and um, uh -huh. we just but we keep the conversation going. That's key. Good coffee yeah. and good conversation. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That is within my negotiations that there must always be a good coffee pot in the house. Otherwise, you know, yeah. <laughs> yes. I have something called grounds for divorce, and that is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah coffee yes. grounds for divorce <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh, so entering into this idea of getting into our mind how did y'all break into it where did you start because you know there's a lot of thought on you know the five bodies and you know what's really contained in the mind i mean the egyptians threw the brain out because they just thought it was useless and yes <laughs> yeah i mean i i would trust the heart over the brain Mm -hmm. um, but when, when you're entering the mind and looking for what they call the natural state, you're looking for the state that is beyond body, all bodies. Um, mm -hmm. And you're looking for the essence of the self, which gives rise to the body. Mm -hmm. um, and this is a process that's quite easily done. Once you, once you start to get into it and you get the teachings that point to you, the, the, you know, there's a series of questions that lead up to you recognizing your own mind. Mm -hmm. Up until this point, you've experienced this mind, but you you've not recognized it because nobody's told you about it. Right. Um, so once you recognize it, then it's up to you to just to sit with it as much as you'd like and get to know it. And as you do, you you become more intimate with it. You you become more friendly with it. You trust it more and more. And the knowing of it mm -hmm. becomes more profound and life altering. Right. And it gets more into the, you know, being able to have a more conscious thought in it. Way more. 
yeah you know and opening into that inner voice inner thing you know a lot of people teach meditation i mean i don't care what psychic program you take even mine i teach meditation how important is that meditation's key Hmm. i mean i honestly think that meditation is something that should be taught in all schools across the world you know Uh get kids really into it from a young age because meditation i mean of course there's loads of different types of meditation but meditation itself is is the only true way that we get to know ourselves that we actually sit with ourselves and you know we're we really want to get our get to know ourselves on a deeper level and all meditations will take you from that conceptual thinking into the non-conceptual state mm-hmm. and the particular meditation that we do which is zog chen um just opens up that whole world of consciousness and you can deep dive into your own mind into its mm-hmm. natural state and and what this does in over a period of time, I mean, it doesn't happen the first time you meditate, but if you just keep a regular practice going a little bit every uh-huh. day, over a longer period of time, a few months, maybe a year, you actually begin to feel that, you know, you don't feel so stressed, you're yeah. not so emotional, you're not so up and down all the time, you just have this sort of certain calmness about you and anxiety, fear, depression, all these ailments of our modern society can literally just fall away. Mm-hmm. Do you think that part of our problem with our modern society is the high pace and the removement of some of these standard practices that we've had? Yes. I mean, meditation, I, uh, you label it prayer, label it meditation, whatever. Yeah. Up until the late 1800s into the industrial era was part of our average practice. Yes. Every human done it. Yeah. It's so true. And if not that, they'd be walking through the forest or walking down a dirt path and Mm -hmm. listening to the birds and, you know, hearing hearing their own heartbeat and, you know, paying a little bit more attention to their own emotions and moods and all of these things. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just having, like you said, a slower pace, a certain stillness about their, you know, their world and the way that they move around it. And to your point, like being in nature. I mean, these things can reground us into that meditative state. And, you know, and there are still, you know, the, there's there's few cultures out there that are still upholding this tradition of meditation. And most of them are sort of Eastern philosophies and um, Eastern communities. But, you know, I do feel that there's a bit of a rise in the West towards a renaissance of sorts of meditation. I would agree, but I think it's a different flavor. Yes. When we look Eastern to Western meditation. I feel Western meditation is a different flavor. Right. Um, you know, I think that the a lot of the ch- low beat chanting music or non music that's out there, the by low beats or whatever, is not going to attract this generation. No. Right. You know. Um, so instead of doing that to my students, I would make them go find their their favorite heavy metal music. <laughs> right yeah and use that for meditational music and they're shocked by the results what's your thoughts on that well i think it, uh, whatever works for you because really um if you're doing the right meditation you can allow for anything to arise any mm-hmm. sound any any soundscape any visual 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 scape um it doesn't matter um because the meditation should allow for whatever we experience because that's the whole point the whole mm-hmm. point is to bring the meditation back into the real world, which has all those things going on anyways. Right. All right. Now, you mentioned that you put an album out 
is it out? Yeah. Where we get that. Right. Why isn't that included in this press kit? Well, let's, <laughs> let's talk about it. Let's talk. Yeah. About it. It's called XI, and Rachel's uh -huh. the badass singer and poet who makes it all happen. Yeah, I, I did it with my music partner, Eddie Hulten, and we got together over the last couple of years and we've been bashing back and forth sounds with voice, with poetry. I'm a poet. I've been writing poetry for years. Uh -huh. um, and it was my dream to put it into an album. And um, so, yeah, we did it. It launched um, September. Awesome. Is it on our, you know, our network Spotify? Um, yeah, you can find it on Spotify, yeah. Apple Music, everything. Just look for XI. Okay. And um, you should find it. Yeah. We'll send you a Very link. Cool. Very we'll send cool. you a link. Please yeah. do so. I can include it into the show notes. Yeah. Um, and you're a writer by trade. What other products are you doing? Because this was a deep book. I'll tell you, this is a deep one that really takes on like Joseph Campbell and thoughts of physics and thoughts of energy work. Like, guys, I'm a, I normally say, oh, this is an easy read. No, you need a notebook and a highlighter and some post it notes. <laughs> well, um, it's true. You're, it is a deep dive. Um, but being a writer, being a poet also, I've, I really wanted to make this lucid as, as can be. So every mm -hmm. word, every sentence, every idea um, is intended to really slip in. To, so even my 80-year-old mother, who, who doesn't read these kinds of books, she loved it. And then Rachel's mother, who forget about it when she she says when she's dead her bones are in the ground and it's over <laughs> and she read it um and and is just digging it so right. it's 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 really meant for the western audience and and when you say you know the western world has a different flavor for their meditation i totally agree mm -hmm. and the language also needs to be of a certain flavor that resonates with the uh, western world mm -hmm. and this book does the metaphors are very western but they're very natural Right. They're no longer the Tibetan metaphors that are on on the verge of being cliched. Um, right. So it's it's really speaking to the Western ear and the Western mind. Right. And also the Western cadence, because when you like you read the book, you can feel a rhythm. Yes. Or, you know, some right. people call an author's voice. Yes. Um, and this one's very much not that humdrum this moves forward at a very good pace but it's got a lot of good terms a lot of good of taking points carrying points with it but can you take a moment to explain a little bit to our listening audience the tradition you took this from so the the tradition is called Dzogchen and Dzogchen is an ancient tradition really and it, it was really practiced and perfected in Tibet over the last thousand years up until the Chinese came in and uh, invaded Tibet in the 50s and this sent all of the great Tibetan masters fleeing uh, to various countries. And while it was an absolute tragedy for Tibetan culture, it was a boon for the Western culture because it was at this point that this very secretive, very hermetic teaching was released into the world. And it took about 40 years for it to start to get some traction. And mm -hmm. I happened to be around right around that time in the early 90s when I was starting to hear whispers of Dzogchen. Mm -hmm. And I, I was seeking, uh, you know, just just seeking what the, what is the meaning of this place that this planet we're on? Why are we here? And um, these teachings just brought it all home. Right. The first, for first day, I started reading about them and then receiving uh, teachings from some Tibetan masters. It all cleared up for me. It all made sense. But the only philosophy that I've ever known, and I'm, a, I'm you know, I'm an academic uh, 
by you know by trade and by mm -hmm. by, by heart. Um, these teachings said hello to me in ways that nothing else had. So I just started practicing and practicing and practicing. And to this day, I'm a student. Mm -hmm. um, but I felt that I reached a point where um, the teachings were revealing themselves to me in such a way where I, maybe it was time for me to speak to them. And, cool. and so I spent a year writing the book. There, uh, just a year. Wow. Because it has a lot more information in it. Plus, also, you've been publishing a magazine at the same time, the Riot yeah. Material magazine. Tell us a little bit about it, because we know it's literal, you know, literal cultural magazine. But what else is it? Because, you know, there's always a flavor deeper into it. Well, it, it, it looks a good film. I, uh, there's a category called Cinema Disordinaire, which has 50 years of all the great underground cult type movies that mm -hmm. are my favorites. You know, like a lot of horror um, and some <laughs> really bizarre stuff. Um, we have a tr uh, category called Riot Sounds, where I just, these tracks that come come about every few weeks or every couple months that just just hit the hit, just hit you grooving. Mm -hmm. uh, I put that in on the site, but we, we do, um, we do review a lot of art mm -hmm. and um, just ideas, philosophies, Mm -hmm. And it's and it's like your philosophy before starting the magazine was to really reach out to good writers yeah. and have it as a writer's magazine as well. Right. So, you know, it's not so it's not just that sort of two minute blog read type magazine, even though it's online. You know, these are really well thought out articles critiquing mm -hmm. the art world in a very sort of profound way, which right. I think you particularly felt that you were struggling to find out there. Yeah, it's hard to find um, good writing, especially about art or about oh, anything. Really. Yeah, I, you know, I, I read a lot. I have to, it's just me. But the, the art world in itself, it's hard to find good art art writing. They can actually understand the artist's voice. Yes. Understand what they're, the message they're trying to portray. And then to actually cover something modern. Mm. Right. You know, it's cute to look at Picasso and what he done 50 years ago. What about the artist that's putting on an art show next week in L.A.? Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's yeah. exactly it. And that, that was very much the premise for the magazine, really. And not not only just modern and contemporary, but um, but really what's at the cutting edge of our society. You know, artists that are taking a risk mm. that ultimately wouldn't necessarily get any um, highlight shone on them you know from right. other more established magazines so uh -huh. you know it was it was really the philosophy to bring out this um bring out the undercurrent of the art world as well uh -huh. so what has been your most controversial t take on a painting or take on some artistry um, I never find art too controversial I, I I I like when an artist pushes it really hard toward challenging society you know where it it touches on all their their highest and most intense fears mm -hmm. um the problem is that the art world isn't necessarily doing that these days wow. where it was it was for you know through the 70s and 80s and mm -hmm. 90s when you know homophobia was fierce and you know artists were out there just pushing visuals into the face of you know mm -hmm. all those who are trying to sanction against it yeah. and succeeding th largely through art the practice of art and right. i love when artists push it that hard and i don't care what they're pushing hard on as, as long as it's articulate it's right. thoughtful mm -hmm. challenging is great i mean uh the black artists these days are really pushing hard against the you know the cultural 
milieu of racism and you know so the the totality of it police right. ab police abuse you know they're really working those angles incredibly well and that's that's probably why riot material has a strong focus on the black art world at the moment because right. it has something to say it's it's alive and it's it's it has a voice right um, so you know if you're speaking loudly and if you're speaking words that sing to us then we're going to listen exactly and you know and especially visual art you know you were speaking about when it was really getting you know an artist do this they challenge our boundaries both only in our mind but also in our symbolism you were speaking about them when you know the 80s and 90s there was a lot of lgbt plus art out there yeah um, mm -hmm. a lot of hard images being put out there yeah you know african-american artists are currently doing that in the united states where yeah. do you feel the flow is going Say that again. I'm sorry. Where do you think the flow is going next? Well, I don't have a good read on that because um, I think everything's coming back to life again and everything's changed. And, you know, where we left it a couple years back was it was at a place where it was in L.A. It was we, the art world was at a peak. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it shut down. And two two years later, it's it's coming back to life in ways that um, we're still trying to understand and and get a finger on. And but this is happening not just in the art world; it's happening across the spectrum. You know, okay. everything seems to have changed, which is I think great. Um, mm -hmm. But it's going to take us. To, we're going to have to learn a new language to try to talk about it. I think maybe. I would agree. I would also agree that we're going to probably see some dark art. Yes, because if we look so. at the artwork of the Renaissance era, comparative to pre-black, you know, the Black Death and post-Black Death, that artwork got a lot more darker then. I would, I would love to see something on the level of Diamond Dogs, David Bowie's Diamond Dogs, that kind of darkness, that brutal, yeah. brutal darkness where it just, yes. oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah, <laughs> um, it is, and it really brings out that theme. And the Boundary Store. What's this? <laughs> the boundary stone. Stone. That this is the boundary stone is the exact opposite of entering the mind. It's me going in as a poet into the inner world, not understanding my own mind, but trying to explore it and put language to it, and literally putting my middle finger up to any reader who ever wanted to think about coming in to look at what <laughs> I was doing. Uh huh. And that poem sat on in my, a drawer for a good ten years before. It was coaxed out, and I, I kind of dolled it up a little bit just to kind of get a little more readable. Mm -hmm. um, but it stands as it stands. It's, it's a tough read. It's a beautiful read, but it is a total exploration of the inner world, mm -hmm. which ultimately led to entering the mind and ultimately led me to write entering the mind in a way more profound way, I think. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Um, so you're talking, you talked about Joseph Candle in the book. How much do you find his teachings relevant? Because I have a lot of people that, you know, want to talk about like Joseph Campbell and the other ones, but some of their older dynamics don't work anymore. Mm. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I still find him really relevant. I find him relevant because probably because his historical references are so profound that right. that kind of level of, of cultural historical references, they're never going to leave us. They're, they're embedded in our cultures and, right. and, and, and global cultures. Mm -hmm. And so, I don't know, I feel that his work is super relevant still. I mean, but that doesn't mean that we need to um, sit on 
you know, a great, I mean, I believe he's a master of sorts, you know, but he, I don't think I would should... agree that he is, but a lot of people have a real hard time trying to understand some of the things he brings about because they no longer apply. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I just wonder if, is that a little bit of laziness on our part, not to do our research and not to dig deep into the full, like mythical gestures of our life these days? Because I think we, we try to understand things on such a mundane plane often mm -hmm. and we try to kind of simplify everything into this into this realm that we can understand that we move about in that we exist in that we can touch and feel i don't know i find i find his teaching so beautifully open and explorative because they literally don't do that they don't trap us into the reality they do actually spark our imagination mm -hmm. and, and lead us down the paths of sort of mythical journeys right. um that's how I respond to his work. I'm not sure. How do you feel? Well, I, I love him. I, I, I haven't really um, spent much time with him in recent years, although we did rewatch The Power of Now uh, mm -hmm. about a month ago. And I was blown away again by his insights into humanity. Mm -hmm. um, but honestly, I don't remember mentioning him in the book. I, you, uh, you may have just read him in the book that I, I've completely forgotten if I've mentioned him at all. Um, but, um, I know, I know we spoke about him after the book, but, um, um, but either way, he's, he's very, he very much, uh, Campbell was an advanced practitioner of something. Right. And I don't know if it was Dzogchen, but, uh, he speaks to so many of the things that I do reference in the book. So it's probably a one-to-one -one naturally anyways. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So with the Dzogchen traditions, um, how do we get into them? How do we get it past that gray matter of fear that we have a lot in the in our society now when it starts delving into the mind of, oh, I'm losing my mind if I'm, you know, seeing things float within my viewpoint. Oh, you know, I need to call the psychologist and hop on five pills. Yeah, right. Right. I would say let your fear push you into the Dzogchen teachings. Fear uh -huh. is what fear is what allowed me to enter the Dzogchen teachings. And it was fear from, you know, a lifetime and a pre-lifetime. Mm -hmm. um, it's or if it's not fear, then it's some sort of inner quest that's pushing you toward something that you have no idea. You don't know what it is. And that could bring up fear, too. But mm -hmm. the fear, I think when you're experiencing fear, you're close. Yeah. What are you, what are you close to? It, only, you know, but fear is put, you means you're on the edge yeah. and you're close to something very profound. And I would say, let that fear take you all the way. Yeah. What I find it too is being walking a very steep mountain and you start panting really heavy as you get to the top. <laughs> yes. Stop and you catch your breath. You're going to go back down the mountain. Yeah. You, you'll <laughs> yeah, you're roll, gonna, you'll roll back down. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, I think that's what's beautiful about this particular practice is that um, you you really do continue to be enamored with the process. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like you said, like, you know, why are you climbing that mountain? Because you you sense there's a peak. You might not see it. You might get to that peak and then you see another peak in the distance. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a little bit like Zog Chen. You really, you feel in moments, you know, that you think, wow, this is just like an awesome experience. I mean, not necessarily in the moment, but like after you've finished your meditation session, you go, wow, that just felt so good. That felt really 
um, like I was getting somewhere. And then that in itself is inspiration to keep going. Have you ever had mushrooms? Um, on a salad, yes. The yeah. type you're talking about, no. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure some of your listeners has. There's a there's oh, a yeah. moment in on mushrooms after after that big rush hits you and you're you've giggled yourself to death, and um, you know you're just now relaxing and you're looking up at the stars. This is very akin to the Dzogchen view when you've when you've entered into this natural state. The actually mushrooms take you very close to this amazing state. But after all, the, the buzz of the mushroom leaves you, or it could be any kind of probably psychedelic, right. where you've, you've just crossed over and now you're beginning to relax into this. And it really, your mind is a bit more awakened. It's a bit more spacious. And so you can kind of get a sense of what we're talking about. If, if, if anybody who's been taking mushrooms all their life, there's, there's some information there for you. Mm -hmm. But, but it all, it comes in many other ways. It comes through running a, uh, a marathon, you know, you just hit, hit a groove where you're suddenly in a groove and nothing you're, you know, you're on your game and it's perfect. That's also right. you're there. Oh yeah. And part of that is that emptiness, getting yes. to that no voice in your head, yeah. no yes. idea, no thought running through, no chipmunks doing their dance across your forehead. Yeah. Yes. I find students have a hard trouble with that. Yeah. 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 Well, that's definite. That's the beginning stages. I mean, anyone that starts to meditate at the beginning, um, you know, you're going to be struggling with this conceptual mind. Mm -hmm. And it really is, you know, this every we're taught from a really young age just to think, think, plan, program, you know, strategize. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and of course, we're taught that the intellect is the, you know, the biggest gift that we're given. And we're right. taught to use that thinking mind. And of course, there's nothing wrong with that at all. But the purpose of meditating is to, first of all, calm that mind, calm that thinking mind. But what happens is some people enter into their meditation and their mind doesn't just calm down because mm -hmm. the mind isn't used to calming down. Mm -hmm. And so they get super frustrated and like, oh, I can't do this. Meditation isn't for me. I can't sit still for 20 minutes. Forget about mm -hmm. it. And my mind won't stop. But actually, that's just the beginning stages. Mm -hmm. It's like anything that we train in in life. You know, you, you don't run a mat. You don't wish to run a marathon and then literally run a marathon you know it takes months and months of training and you build up little bit by little bit you run a mile then you run two etc etc and meditation's pretty much the same like it's it's okay that you feel like you're failing because you're actually not failing at all you the fact that you're doing it and the fact that you're sitting still for those minutes each mm -hmm. day that in itself is your successful meditation how do you feel about positioning? Like the way you sit? Yeah. Yeah. That's very important, I think, because, um, I mean, I know the Dzogchen tradition tells you very quite strictly to sit in the seven point position, which is basically sitting down with your legs crossed and your arms Indeed. just resting in your, in your, um, in your lap. Mm -hmm. Um, the reason for that being important is that what you're doing is you're keeping the wind channels open in your body. And the idea that, you know, your crown is sort of pointing towards space itself, mm -hmm. that your root chakra is sitting down towards the ground to ground you to the earth, because the point of this meditation is to stay alert. The point mm -hmm. is not that your consciousness leaves your body and you just start floating around. So you need the grounding of your body 
through the root chakra, but then you also want to access the universal consciousness, which is out there through your crown. So Mm -hmm. sitting in this position, I think is really key so that you've got all of the channels open and you've got this flow. But it is also important that you need to be comfortable. And so, you know, I mean, I use like a bolster pillow and I protect my back and I get myself leaning against a wall and I get myself as comfortable as possible. Um, Because what you don't want to be doing is just um, being conscious of the fact that you're aching, you know, your aches and pains are disturbing you the whole time. Right. but yeah, the or position... losing the feeling of a leg or an arm. Yes, you know, the about, pins and needles. I, I've not done this, and I and it's because my wife won't slow down long enough. But you know, we've talked to with people um, on the show and off the show that have gone to ashrams for like three or four weeks, and they do yep. that all day, eight hour meditation. And you first hear about all the wonderful things that their mind and the universe mm-hmm. gave them. And then you hear about all the positions they tried that they had to have someone, you know, one of the helpers come and get them out of. And it's like, (laughs) yoga masters are nice. (laughs) Tibetan masters are nice. You don't have that flexibility. You've not been doing yoga for 50 years. Exactly. For 50 years. Don't fold yourself that way. Yeah. Yes, so true, so true. Well, we were we were actually planning on going on a retreat um in September, and we were actually looking online earlier for just these little chairs that you get, these little fold-up chairs to support you, to just help you sit there. Because I'm like, I can't sit there for eight hours without any support. Uh-huh, exactly. <laughs> but I think you covered a very important point was keeping the wind channels or the yeah. chakra alignment um, in order. It doesn't really matter the rest of it, like where your legs are, I, you know, Mm-hmm. Because West Eastern says don't cross legs, Western says cross legs, this, that, another. But that more important part of keeping the chakras in line so the energy can flow through. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they say absolutely. And of course, a lot of masters say that if you know if you do have any problems with your limbs, I mean, somebody mm-hmm. might have had you know they might have a broken leg or they might have some ailment there or hip replacement. Mm-hmm. You can sit in a chair also. You know, mm-hmm. but the fact is, is that you're keeping your your torso yeah. as straight as possible. But again, if you have problems there, lean against a wall. That's totally yeah. fine too. Lean against yeah. the wall, um, a nice, comfortable office chair. They're actually really fairly organizedly designed if you have gravity issues, i.e. getting off the floor. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yes. And I think yeah. the more important part, especially with someone delving into this to begin with, is just begin. Yeah, exactly. exactly, exactly. And and whatever feels good, you know, and, and it's it's just about just set yourself a small challenge. It could just be five or 10 minutes a day, like five mm-hmm. minutes, two minutes even. But just find a time in the day that's comfortable. I mean, we tend to just meditate in bed before we even get up and start living mm-hmm. our day because that's easy. We have a cup of tea and then we'll mm-hmm. meditate before we've even left the bed. Like something that's comfortable for you and something that just feels like you can just start a rhythm and start a habit because then then it can grow then you can build up to 20 minutes half an hour you can do it for an hour you can do it for as long as you want but it's just starting a habit that you can do once a day 
Right. And I always, I like the idea of five minutes. You set your yeah. five minutes or your favorite rock song or whatever song's going on in your head, you know, that you can, you can zone out to. Because you kind of brought up something earlier about just being out in the woods and being realigned in nature. Yeah. Um, that's what I call alpha brain is when you, you, you don't know the time or whatever. So again, mm -hmm. you want a timing mechanism if your life is operating on a tight watch. Right. And taking that time, and I found it very important for self-care. Now, what are some health things that you guys have seen, or have y'all seen any health benefits from those that have delved into this? Well, um, the book speaks to also, before you even get into the, the deeper meditations, the body needs to be in pretty good shape in terms of diet and okay. health issues. If, if you're really dealing with some serious health issues and you're, you're in a brain fog or you're, you, you're just riddled with cancer, this is going to be make it difficult for you to actually get into the deeper, calmer mind. Mm -hmm. So there, there's a couple chapters that speaks to how you can just clean your diet up with organic foods or locally grown non-pesticide foods. That alone will really uh, clear away the, the, the haze of mind and it'll allow the body to sit for longer and, and, and be clearer. So help uh, getting yourself healthy pre going in is great. But then once you begin to dive into the mind and begin to relax into it, it's um, unbelievable what takes place. Uh, the, you know, the depressions leave you, uh, all kinds of maladies that we experience here in the Western world. They, they just literally disappear into the space, like uh, opening a window in a kitchen that's filled with smoke. Mm -hmm. You open the windows and it, it all just leaves. And, and, and all this happens while you're training in Dzogchen. Right. And... You know, with the Zochen, do you also recommend journaling afterwards? I mean, because a lot of the inner thought comes out in emptiness. Yeah, I think that's you totally a good could. Point. I think that's yeah. a great, great process. I mean, literally, the book was me journaling after during mm -hmm. meditation. I mean, I was writing the book from a place of meditation mm -hmm. at like two in the morning, three in the morning. Mm -hmm. So you could call that journaling. Um, yes. And yeah. it, and for me, it it actually deepen my own knowledge of the teachings by writing about it yeah so yes i think writing is great yeah yeah because it's true because you're there in that state of non-thought but what happens is thought arises you know from the non-conceptual state but they they arise it's innate wisdom that's coming to you in that moment because there's no there's no intellectual thought so it's just this pure thought that comes to you. And it doesn't mean that every single thought that you have is a good one, but you know, you sense the difference and you sense this knowing, which sort of is almost like a visceral feeling. And, mm -hmm. and if that's coupled with a thought, more than likely that thought is, is coming to you from your higher self telling you something or asking you to think about something or have you thought about this or could this be a solution? So mm -hmm. you're right. Yeah, some incredible insights come through this state. Right. And yeah. Yeah, yeah I, love, I don't journal actually, but now I might try it. <laughs> you might want to try it. And here's yeah. why. Because I don't know. I don't use the same technique, but I find a I use more of a medium medium technique. I find that a lot of ideas, a lot of creativity comes out of that zero thought idea. Yes. That, you know, when your brain has had that time to reset. Absolutely. Start, Absolutely. Then it's major programs start coming back up and it's like, oh, while you were gone, here's these 42 emails that came in. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
Yes. Yeah. It's so true though. And it's also, I love what you've just brought in there. The fact that it's a creative process as well, because, you know, we were talking about art before and art is a very meditative process also. Mm -hmm. And meditation is a very creative process. Mm -hmm. And these, these two really go hand in hand and you've, you know, you're really kind of tapping into this, um, the source, the divine source, whatever you want to refer to it as, but it's it's this higher level of consciousness within yourself that starts to express itself, mm-hmm. and yeah, I I see that totally. It's a it's a really creative process. It can be very creative. So, what's this deal with labels? What's the what? Sorry. What's this deal with labels and letting what's go of labels? Labels. Well, so. Um... One of the problems when you so you're trying to get into this state beneath the conceptual state, which is mm-hmm. they call it the non-conceptual state or the the natural state. And this state has you can't even use language to talk about it, really. You can use metaphor. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's words don't really do it any justice. Mm-hmm. And so one of the problems going into that state is the stories that we tell about ourselves, which is just laden with words and ideas and these are all attached to us you know all all of our great achievements and what we call ourselves in this world and who we think we are this is all fine and good in the world that we're living in but if your pursuit is to get access into your higher self well you need to now look at those very labels and stories that you're placing on yourself uh-huh. and just get a handle on it see what see what you're talking about see you know like oh i can see i've been saying this about myself for the last 40 years why do I keep saying that about myself? Mm-hmm. Or I, I've been calling myself an addict for this this many years, but am I still an addict? You know, have I really thought about it? So, you know, these things can trip you up as you go into the this natural state because it's a lot of information that doesn't need to be there. And so you want to let it go so you can now ex- visually see and experience this space that has none of that. Yeah. And get into that space of really, because we pick up labels, we pick mm-hmm. up sometimes negative labels. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then we hold on to them. Absolutely. Yeah, way too long. Way too long. Yeah. And yeah. In order, they're like old shoes. They no longer fit us. Yeah. yeah. So examining our labels, I think, is a very important process. And medication causes that to come out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, we, you know, and it's, it's labels that we put on ourselves. It's Mm -hmm. labels that other people put on themselves too. And, um, you know, I mean, I mean, I was, I just, uh, met up with my brother. I hadn't seen him for a few years and met up with my brother and he reminded me of the age when I was a teenager and I didn't know how to boil an egg, you know, and I boiled the pan down to nothing. And I just turned around to him. I said, yeah, that's a really funny story, but who's still telling that story? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's still like telling that story because it's one of the ones he holds on to he's yeah. holding on to yeah. his little sister meanwhile yeah. his Boiling. sister's cooking an amazing meal for him like profoundly good and uh-huh. he's not acknowledging how good it is <laughs> right he's missing out on the meal i did good right right and that's being in present yes yeah. being exactly. in focus and now and you know uh, we get trapped in those memories we tra- get trapped in that yeah. moments of oh i remember and it's like yeah, but it, you know, who's telling us right now? Who's even talking about that story? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It actually exactly. is quite boring. Yes, it's like what's yeah. better than the moment now? You know, right. there's nothing better than that. Yeah. yeah. And how much more fun do we have in the world when there's no stories that are binding us down? You know, like 
when we're kids, we the reason why we look back on joy at our childhood is because there's hardly any stories that are being told about us. You know, it's it's all in the moment. Yeah. And if we could kind of like drop a lot of that stuff, we'd really have a lot more fun anyways. Mm -hmm. Besides just besides being able to enter the uh, meditation more easily. Yeah. Very much so. Now, I do feel kind of sad for this generation because now, you know, we're looking at a generation that's 22 years old. Their whole life is going to be brought up for them for the rest of their life day by day. Because Facebook of all the memory by Facebook yeah. memory. Oh, yeah, by yeah. Facebook memory. Oh, I mean, <laughs> yes. it, it almost makes you want to throw up. It does. <laughs> How much does digital influences affect the meditation spot from your point of view? How does it affect it? How, I, find, how much I, find it I find it does actually. Um, if I'm working on emails or if I'm, you know, working on the magazine and I want to go meditate or, mm -hmm. you know, occasionally if I get on social media because I have to post some stuff for riot material um, and then I'm, I'll go through feeds, uh, that stuff sticks in my, the back of my head and I go into meditation and I have to really combat it for mm -hmm. a good 15, 20 minutes. So I, I do notice it, but of course we're living in a world where it demands it of us. We, we right. have to be moving through all these different terrains and I'm okay with that. But um, it's something that I'm very aware of that it is a problem. This digital, it's like a little something gnawing at the back of your head. It's, it's there just chewing away mm -hmm. um, and it's a bit annoying, yeah. Mm, I tell you what though, what I feel is the meditation itself though allows us to become more detached from yeah. that whole social media. Yeah. Like I, I really don't care that much about it. I do it when I have to, but I'm not investing my every self in that mm -hmm. post or in that, you know, how is it getting response, you know, on the outside mm -hmm. world. So also the flip side of that, yeah, it, it disturbs a little bit, but also, I don't know, I'm, fe I'm feeling like I have a much more healthy relationship with it. Hmm. It's not governing anything, and the meditation itself is definitely helping that. Right. Um, interesting, interesting. So as you creatives, you both are, and the magazine, what else are you doing? What are you up to? What's the next project? <laughs> well, oh, Saturday, we're going to Hawaii. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're we're on a family vacation. On, we haven't seen our family week. in a while. So. Yeah, so that's, that's going to be fun. We're going to go celebrate her birthday. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, and then yeah. my daughter's birthday is also tomorrow or the next day. It's Thursday. That's um, yeah. So it's it's like kind of a little birthday celebratory thing. Yeah. Very cool. Hawaii. So we haven't been to Hawaii, so that'll be fun to check that out. Mm -hmm. My brother's over there, and then. Um, we're not really doing much creatively at the moment. No, I don't think, kind of, unfortunately. I mean, we're, we've got, I mean, this is taking up a lot of our time, you know, mm -hmm. working with the book, the book and promoting the book. The but, book. Um, but I do, um, I'm sort of loosely thinking about how to get my poetry into some sort of a presentational package, mm -hmm. but video, sound, music, um, you know, so it's probably right. going to take me a year though. So I've got no expectations on the finish line or anything. It's going to mm -hmm. take me a while. I really want to just sort of package everything together. Maybe it's an installation ultimately, you know, Ooh, that would be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just having this sort of full immersive experience yeah. of sound video. Cause I mean, the album that we did, we had, um, um, I did a video for every single track. Mm. 
so it's very visual too yeah oh, and they're, awesome. they're all up there on youtube um so it's really kind of storytelling at, mm -hmm. at my maximum skill set you know putting right. it together so i don't know something like i'm sort of inspired about that and where i can take it but there's no sort of defined outcome yet right very cool and yeah. you are you just writing a magazine now or you just doing the magazine uh working with writers um you know like after after a year and now almost a half since the book since i started the book i'm a little bit uh walking around like shell shocked <laughs> and you know now observing listening to the birds again and um you know smelling the flowers for the first time in a while uh -huh. uh, you know starting to work on the house again you know fixing things that fell apart uh -huh. so you know I, i'm kind of back into um little baby mode yeah it kind of sounds like that when you get into a creative flow or creative fashion you do a lot of psychic too and that's all they do they just get zoned into this box totally zoned the whole house could burn down around them as long as the keyboard is open yes or the phone line is active they yep. don't care yeah that's, yeah that's, that's exactly it i mean like in the in the year that chris was writing the book um you know he'd be getting up in the middle of the night meditating for like four or five hours during the night you know mm -hmm. I'd, I'd wake up roll around oh he's in his pose go back to sleep wake up he's still in his pose but also, and, but also writing but he'd be getting his notepad out getting his iphone out writing down mm -hmm. and so he was he was full on for a year because that that's a pretty like you said it's that's a pretty a short process. time yeah. To, to to write a deep book one year mm -hmm. is not a lot of time so yeah yeah with so much of this going into it and as the depth you went into again i thought this was like a five-year book you know a 10-year book that you've gone in and drug in and you know pulled all you know there are people that do your writing style which is the the actual live the practice write the practice live the practice write the practice mm -hmm. and then there are other authors that'll go and they'll stack research up throughout their house you know they post-it notes on the ceiling yeah. um so i always find it interesting to to find out the right you know how you went into it and yes. you're, like, you're doing four to five hours a night in pose and taking coming in and out of meditation to do notes yeah that's impressive yes well it yes. was um you know we were in this moment where nobody was doing anything and i realized when that ended we were going to have to get jobs again <laughs> and that hit me it was like wow do i ever really want to work again um maybe i'll just write this book and if we're lucky if i write it well <laughs> enough we may have something to to sustain us for the next few years mm -hmm. and that was kind of what got me going because actually i didn't want to write the book I, my meditation practice was going so amazing that i knew that if I started writing a book, it was really going to throw a wrench into that practice. And it did. Right. But nevertheless, I just said, okay, you know what? This is it. I'm, I'm going to roll the dice and see what happens. Mm -hmm. I'm glad I did it. Um, but now I'm done with it. I'm ready to, um, well, now I'm going to have to look at the, the next few months and see what's next. Do I, do I get a job? Do I reach out to friends? And, you know, what do we do? Right. You know, like... That's... Do you start teaching some meditational workshops on Zoom? Maybe. Mm, I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> oh, I think it would be a lovely accomplishment to the book, uh, mm -hmm. especially with some of these techniques. They could definitely use some audio to them and mm -hmm. some video. Um, and then, you know, do you think with the two years that, you know, everyone took off from being public that the art, 
that we're going to see a lot of prosthetic artists coming out with like massive showings, you know, where an artist would normally show eight or nine paintings. They're going to have like 28 to show. I yes. think so. And I yes. hope so. That, hope that so. brings excitement. Yeah. Yes. I, I really so. want that to happen. Yes. Yeah. I think, that, I think that, you know, the art world is about ready to take a new birth. I think so. so this in the 20s, also of 1920, like, you know, yeah. right after World War One, World War Two, we had all yeah. these new artists. I mean, Grandma Modus just came out. All these yeah. other artists came out. Exactly. I Absolutely. think we're going to be seeing that, too, because, you know, at the beginning of the break, everyone jumped into gardening, crafts, hobbies and passions they hadn't pursued. Yes, yeah. that's exactly it. That's you know, exactly and it. which means that they're they became more human again. They mm -hmm. they they're returning to their their beautiful source mm -hmm. and now it's time to share that with the rest of us mm -hmm. what have you done show us you know put yeah. it together and and even if you weren't planning on doing anything an exhibition of any kind with your work think about it and put it pull it together and show us what you've done it, mm -hmm. it could be so beautiful mm -hmm. to see all this creation now what's your thoughts on the modern art do you think that we can take lessons from this vacation like virtual art showings um, or do you I, think they have to be in person? Yeah, it's a difficult one that because yeah. so much art is is about the experience of being with it in presence of it, and especially um, visual arts where there's <laughs> texture, there's three dimensional qualities to it. It's, I mean, a lot of our artist friends said that the virtual the virtual effort was good just to keep mm -hmm. people entertained, but it it had no profound effect on anybody's response to the art in mm -hmm. terms of either commercial or just appeal or even, mm -hmm. you know, writing about it and critiquing right. it. And so, I don't know, I think I think that really is the beauty of art is that it's experienced in the real. And, but that's not, that's not to say that digital art hasn't evolved a lot since then. Oh, and I, I think I, it has, digital art it has. I'm yeah. wondering what VR is going to do as it the, Oh, VR, oh, yeah. virtual reality. Mm. Um, I thought you said art. Um, yeah. yeah, the VR, I mean, that, I, I think we're already there. That's going that's going to just explode. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think there's, um, I think we're, I think technology is way more advanced than we public know about. Mm -hmm. And right. I think it's out there. I mean, we know that the, you know, even the military, you know, they're, they're experimenting with all kinds of things that we have no idea what's going on. Right. It's only a matter of time before that comes out and that starts to become shared and utilized and, and I think that um, we're going to come to this point where it's going to, we will become our avatar living in a completely different reality in a completely different universe. And I had an idea that, um, you know, this virtual world that's, that's building up all around us in every dimension, it seems like, um, to create some sort of hermitage. Like you have, you have the virtual world and everybody's doing their thing. But if you want to end this world, go get some meditative teachings. Uh -huh. I could be the one, Rachel and I could be up there in this hermitage <laughs> and we could give these teachings, you know, like on Zoom or whatever, or, or how, I don't know, I'm not quite sure how it could be done, but they, they, they actually walk up these mountains through these amazing mystical mm -hmm. scenes and they enter this incredible temple. And then we're There's sitting, the we're sage. sitting in there, you know, smoking <laughs> cigarettes and ready to give, <laughs> impart some good teachings. To, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I don't know if you guys have heard of Second Life. It's an it's a yes. it's life or what a Second Life or whatever. Yeah, it's really interesting because you're like they built the 
that they've copied a lot of the uh, museums, the bigger things you can go to. And there looks a sim. You can own a sim. Literally, like their avatar has to come up through the reins of stairs and stuff. Yes, yeah. yes. If somebody, yes. if somebody came to me and proposed that I, I participate in that, and I, and I was allowed to go up and sit in this hermitage, uh -huh. I would definitely say yes to that. Yeah. yeah. That, that could be a lot of fun. I think the major thing will be connecting the virtual world to the real world. Yeah. But I think our art, that art will probably be the one that takes it on first. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Could be. I mean, you know, it, I mean, it's already, it's already trying. It's already, it's already, it's, if, mm -hmm. if they're already, you know, attempting to make it happen, then it's going to happen for sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 I mean, because the technology's there. We just got to, you, you've got to, you've got to blend that example if you have an oil painter that you use the filling of the oil and being able to sense it by touch if it's the right mixture yeah getting it into the virtual world and that'll be the harder transpiration that's where this book comes in and probably a way you probably didn't mean it to mm. and it was stripping away the two-dimensional world you're in into the world that's already three-dimensional mm. yeah in your mind and yes. being able to transfer it into other mediums that's a great point actually. yes that's a great yes point. yes yeah i like that a lot i mean i definitely believe that um you know moving forward if if the 19 if the 1920s was revolutionary in many terms and now this mm -hmm. the 2020 is a revolutionary in in these terms i think the next expanse of science that we're going to experience from now on on is going to be the science of consciousness mm. yeah that's, that's the only thing we haven't well it's not it's, the only thing we haven't figured but it's the one thing we haven't tapped into exactly yeah. and it's the one thing that we have within all of us we all have access to that but we mm -hmm. you know we haven't been able to monitor it or um you know we haven't been able to measure it per se right. but honestly like i think if 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 we could really um push our whole society into this idea of experimenting with the science of consciousness there's no end to what we can do mm -mm. And Very and then we, we don't even need the avatars in a virtual reality. We can just be our own consciousness in a whole new reality that we're creating. That right. I find even more fascinating. But also scary. Because have you seen some of the minds these people are walking around with? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, guys, thank you so much for joining me and well, it was a pleasure talking about your creative projects again. Entering the thank mind, you. guys, go and get that book, read it, but take a notebook with you. You'll need it. Uh, <laughs> yes. guys, we'll take a sip, and then we'll bring Techie in for the other part. Thank you so much. Thank You're you. Welcome, honey. You have a great evening. You, you too. Hello, Techie Joe. How are you, darling? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Doing well, doing well. So that was a really awesome chat. It is. It was a great chat. Um, it was really a deeper, deep chat. There's a lot of things that go on in this book and a lot of trainings in this book. This is a really good, deep book. I think it's on your desk for currently um, to be going into Okay. Yeah, it's on that stack of books I have for you to read. You know, it's been a crazy day. <laughs> crazy day, honey. It's been a crazy month. Things have gone all over the place. I know. That's why, like, I 
you you actually caught me off guard because I was working on a couple of things while I was uh, waiting to come in, and I was just like, "Oh God, he's about to transition to me." Hold on a second. <laughs> yeah, like, very much so. So, how is how you know? It's been crazy. You've been crazy. Everything else has gone a little wacky for Wacko, but our baristas will be finding out about that on Wednesday night. Baristas, oh, is a reminder. 8 p.m. Wednesday, you have a Zoom meeting with us, and we already have something to talk about. Oh, we have something to talk about, yes. Yes. So, yeah, many, many, many things. Yes. As always. Um, But no, it like, today alone has just been the day of, like, if, if I had actually planned today, this would not have been the day I planned. <laughs> Um, because yeah, it was just like, I, my day started before I got out of bed Mm -hmm. and then people started letting me know that. (laughs) Well, you know, your day started three hours before you got out of the bed, but that's beyond here or there. Well, yeah, it was just, it was like, it was one of those weird experience days. Like, okay, like, this is what I knew I had to do today. And then like, this is what happened around it. And I went, okay but it kind of rocked right like it was really hectic but Uh like i knocked out everything but like one client's problem but -hmm. considering that was their second problem of the day i'm cool with that well you know just (laughs) their second problem of the day that's really not even the whole problem we've already solved the whole problem we just have to explain to them yeah, basically the client, it, it, like I like I joked earlier today that I think they hired the wrong one of us. Mm-hmm. Like they don't need technical support. They they need a saging, a cleansing, a blessing, an exorcism, something. Mm-hmm. Like you know, deal like paranormal investigator would be good for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and like we're joking about it. Like the client and I are like back and forth joking mm-hmm. like. They called me, it, like, they've had so many problems with mm-hmm. Like, let me just tell y'all, I know this is psychic coffee shop, but come on. Um, this is the level they're at. They have had so many problems with that, with printing and printers and stuff like that. I literally point blank had to ask them today. Granted, I was killing time, but I asked them today. I was like, you know, because we went through all the troubleshooting and I'm like, yeah, and they had already done everything. They got a troubleshooting A+. And then I finally just had to be like, did you sacrifice a virgin? Like, did I forgot to ask? I gave you a lot of troubleshooting, you know, credit there. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you sacrifice a virgin? And they're like, oh, man, that's what we forgot. Um, You know, like, that's where we're at. Like, (laughs) it kills me. Like, that's where my day's been. It's like, this is... (laughs) It's okay. been interesting. It's been really interesting. We've had mostly an office day. It's been admin city and, you know, playing well, around. Admin and repair. Yeah. You know, like, like, you know, I really had on my light blue shirt today and done all my light blue things. You did. You did. Um, I actually did a monitor replacement spanning two client meetings. Uh-huh. Like, as in, I'm literally sitting there, like, we're, we're having a client, we're having two separate client meetings, mm-hmm. and I'm doing a screen replacement. Right. 
And it's like, okay, we're rocking this. This is cool. Right. Um, you know, it's just a weirdo thing that like I don't know. I it's like never envisioned having a client having two. One would have been too many right. in my mind to have had of client meetings and a screen repair. Um, because y'all know me. I I like mm, laptops. Manufacturers of laptops, can we have a conversation about the crap you pull? Yes. Um, because two this week with screen issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I'm just dealing with like crap design, like really mm-hmm. bad crap design. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what is y'all's problem? Well, it's the problem is they're made to be disposable. We don't make things that last anymore. Well, but, like, the sad part of, like, one of them, like, okay, now, granted, one the, the screen replacement was due to damage. Right. Um, but now, and arguably, this other computer also, not so much damage, just, I, I get a strong feeling it's a student's machine. Mm-hmm. Or, or basically, it's someone who carries this computer a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, for long distances. Right. Um, often. Um, and and it's, it's wear and tear. Right. The problem is, I've already repaired that one once. Mm-hmm. And it was literally on, like, the day after the warranty expired. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, you could have gotten a whole new computer. Like, because I remember the conversation being, like, they waited a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you know, they didn't have, like, stuff light. Right. Um, And I just, like, the point when I plug in the, the, the serial number to the manufacturer's website and I watch and I see the warranty expired, like, mm-hmm. just, like, a day or so before. And I'm like, oh. Mm-hmm. Like, no, you could have mailed it in. They would have sent you a whole new computer. Yeah, but that computer's got a design flaw from hell. Well, and I'm noticing it's co- it's, it's common. And what it is, is it, it's manufacturers are cheap. Um, they really, really, really will at any point do a cost-cutting measure. Mm-hmm. And the new, wonderful, brilliant thing that they're doing is they're, huh, they're using these short little, like, inch and a half, uh, uh, after the monitor, um, like when it goes towards the case, like inch and a half of cable to immediately plug in right next to the hinge the um, data cable, uh, data and power combo cable um, mm-hmm. for the screen. Mm-hmm. It, again, it's a bad design. Yeah, because that's one of the points most likely to fail on a laptop. Mm-hmm. Like, Hinges, mm-hmm. A1 for failure. Like, I don't, like, you can be the gentlest little person in the world to your computer. I don't care how gentle you are to it. Those effing hinges fail one way or another. They either, mm-hmm. like, hinge stress is a thing. It's a fail point. Why, why, oh, why would you put the cable right next to the part that wants to fail the most? Mm-hmm. Bad design. Right. 
Like, I, and I mean, it touches, it literally rides it. Right. And I'm just like, yeah, so now this client once a year has to send me this laptop because <laughs> um, for me to reseat the cable. Right. It's a year of opening and closing this machine wiggles mm-hmm. the cable just enough that, and, and we're talking about something that has the thickness of cellophane. Mm-hmm. Like reinforced cellophane. That's where we're at. Like transparency sheets. Right. Um, and, and like these little teeny tiny microscopic hair width pins um, that have to perfectly align. Otherwise, mm, Katie bar the door. Right. You get screen weirdness mm-hmm. um, until it's reseated. It's so stupid. Oh, yeah, there's dumb plastic pins and the hinges that break. Oh, yeah, that's even worse. Yep. But anyway, sorry, that was our psychically non-psychic. That was our techie um, side of psychic. So do you have an are you an asshole or do you want to use mine? Oh, goodness, let's use yours. Okay. You'll have a fun one, I'm sure. All righty. Oh, excuse me, guys. Am I the asshole for serving my husband's family mac and cheese for dinner? Uh, I'm just going to answer off the top now. <laughs> um, like, are you in the cell? Um, have you been? All right. My husband, Asian, and I, American, welcomed our firstborn four weeks ago. The baby is healthy. Thank God, but I'm exhausted, haven't fixed my hair, barely able to shower, and cannot sleep. My husband's family had been pressuring us to visit to meet the baby. I tried to hold them off as much as I could, but yesterday I was surprised to find them standing on the porch. Turns out hubby invited them for dinner. I was embarrassed and felt like I wasn't ready for visitors, judgmental ones at that, because the house was a mess, y'all. Anyways, my husband sat with them while I fed my son, and then later I asked my husband if we should order takeout for dinner. He said no, because his parents would find this rude and unwelcoming. He suggested that I go inside the kitchen and prepare something, anything, long as it's homemade. I said fine, then went and made some mac and cheese. The reason I prepared this meal is because of how easy it is. Once I served the family, my husband's mom looked at me and was appalled. I noticed something was wrong. She asked if I really found it appropriate to serve her and the family mac and cheese. Asked why not, and she went on a rant about how disrespectful this was and that I clearly have no experience in what is right and wrong when it comes to hosting. I said, excuse me? Who said I signed up to host an uh, unexpected visit from them And she took it, or excuse me, to host an expected visit from them. And she took it as in, I didn't want them there. Her husband said they were just there to finally see the baby. I kept them from seeing for an entire month. That's a whole month of his life they missed out on. We had an argument and they decided to go home. My husband said that declining, deciding to just to serve his family mac and cheese was more offensive than serving them nothing at all. I told him I was too exhausted to cook their traditional feast that I was forced to learn from his mom. He took offense and said that I was being mean and disrespectful towards not only his family, 
but his culture. I went inside the bedroom to stay with my son. My husband stayed on the phone with his family for an hour, then kept giving me the cold shoulder and refused to eat what I cook in support of his family. I understand how some guests might find it offensive, especially his family, but I was just trying to make a quick homemade meal like my husband wanted. What's wrong with mac and cheese? Edit. Okay, so I'm seeing commenters here offering to come over for some mac and cheese. It's amazing to hear that some people here would appreciate this kind of meal. It kind of makes me feel relieved and reassures me that I didn't mess this up entirely. Come on in, y'all. I'll be more than happy to serve you some mac and cheese. Some of y'all even offered to bring mashed potatoes and pizza. LOL. Would love to have y'all over sometime. Ain't nothing wrong. <laughs> like I, you know, there. Like I, honestly, I gotta say, if you were a guest in this house tonight, you were getting Burger King. That's where we were. Like well, this, where we were, and Burger King is fairly healthy, and yes, but mac and cheese is a, a traditional dish in this house with you. It is like I like I'm <clears throat> I'm sorry if you are offended by being served macaroni and cheese as an entire meal in and of itself, and I don't care if it comes from the box. Um, <clears throat> get out my house. That that's all I got for that is get out my house. Well, like, I'm wondering what their traditional feast is and why that grandmother wasn't in the kitchen in the kitchen cooking for that poor mama who needs to feed her grandchild. I mean, I, I'm sorry, she created life. Give her a fucking month off. Like, damn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like. I mean, like, no. I like I know there are women that have children and seems like, you know, they 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 burped and then like they're perfectly good to go. Uh, that is not most women. I have a comment to read here because I was oh. like, well, maybe it's a traditional thing. No, we have been clarified with this idea. Oh, they were Asian, yeah. Okay, Um, this isn't a culture clause. These people are assholes. There isn't an Asian there. There isn't an Asian culture that I'm aware of that doesn't practice some form of appropriational conflictment, where it is expected that the new mother do nothing more than rest and bond with the baby. If they were so traditional, they should have shown up with food, offered to clean the house, run the laundry, and while they were at it. In NTA between. Oh, not the asshole. Yeah, yeah, not the asshole. And mm. it thanks, uh, thanks for the awareness, y'all. I'm Asian too, and even though I live far from home now, I totally enjoy being able to just rest and bond with my baby in the early days of postpartum. Um, and this one's the top comment. So, um, no, they're high and mighty and trying to live on a chain that isn't projectable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, well, but overall, like, we, why is this a surprise to people that, like, at least, at least the first month with a newborn, like, 
some kids are easy. Right. Like, they just, like, they're easy. Like, they're happy-go-lucky little people. They're just like, you're going to feed me. You're going to love me. Uh, you're going to change me. Like, it's cool. It's cool. I'm cool. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you're getting. You may get the fussy, cranky diva bitch. Like, I, some people are just born a fucking diva, okay? Like, mm-hmm. they don't stop crying till they die. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, feed me, change me, love me, buy me a Mercedes. Um, That's it. That's all they've got. Like, they're just waiting for the words to start on, like, you know, Mercedes, Louis Vuitton, college education, dental work. Um, Like, that's all they're going to do their whole life. You don't know what you're getting. You don't know what you're getting. month is an adjustment period oh no 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 another writer writes in and i'm reading this also to be actual there's a laid out tradition of this um the first week the mother-in-law takes care of the family the second week the mother of the mother takes care of the family and then it goes on to the brother's first wife or the sister for the next three weeks Jesus! yeah i don't know that i would want that many people storming into my life or the chaos and confusion no they trade off responsibilities well, yeah, I know, but I don't. I wouldn't know, necessarily want that many different people traipsing through my life. Like, well, I wait. I don't know. Okay, so let's play this out in, in what I just read into my brain in our world. If we get a lovely child, okay. First week is Mama Night's week to take care of the house. Mm-hmm. Second week would be Miss Beverly's week to take care of the house. Third week would be either though who she would not be named or Lisa. So I will take Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Let's bring in or your sister. Weeks, What's though, I don't know. I don't know. I think this I hope that doesn't apply to adoption. <laughs> I was going to say, well, let's start with the realities. Okay, so first of all, we're going to run a weed whacker through your penis and scrotum. Um, Then, then, then we're going to have you deal with your mother for a week. Then we're going to have you deal with your... Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sure you're going to, week four, hop out of bed and be like, "Mm, let's make some macaroni and cheese. Uh huh. Yeah. No. Mm-mm, no. Not only that, but like tra- apparently, quotations traditional feast was that's I know at least two meats, six vegetables. <laughs> of course, other commenter. I couldn't stand be in my room for more than two weeks after I had my kids. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> No, I'm back to let's make it realistic. Um, You know, no, because it's not just like, you know, like, yeah, there's a lot going on. Like, screaming, crying, newborn, pain, like, no. Body changes, body taste changes, the cravings alone. Well, yeah, and you were just a human factory, so you've got some hormones going on. Uh Uh-huh. 
like you know like your body's gonna readjust to some shit like it was supporting a whole other second parasite um and now it's not and it's gonna figure that out and you know like there's a there's a lot there's a lot like no Mm-mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. apparently, let's just put it very nicely. Her in laws are the asshole. The husband is the jackass. Oh, yeah. 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 I think the only thing my butcher block would have done that night would have been to have made sure he didn't create another child. Um, but that's just me. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Um,. <clears throat> I I would not have yeah. taken kindly. I do not think. Right. Well, don't it's like have a female reproductive system cannot bring a child into this world by that route. Um, but I think if I could and that situation occurred, I mm, you're gonna have to fight real hard to prove it was, you know, um not uh, a crime of insanity. Right. Because I'm going to take full advantage of I just created life. Like, let me take a couple. Um, well, even that, like, when you had your next surgery, I locked the house down. Nobody's coming in until I say, like, mom, not even mom night. Nobody came over. You will get video messages if necessary. You're like, we'll show signs of life. He'll hold a newspaper. <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> like, no. Well... I mean, and, and I don't know that we really exactly had to go that far so much because I was mostly out of it. Yeah. Like every time I like I woke up long enough to take meds and crash back out. Right. <clears throat> and well, I mean, and mostly because of the crappy way they wrote my meds, but that's a different, different story. story. But my point being, and I don't know where in our culture we have gotten this idea: when someone is sick, they become a show pony. When someone is, you know, had a baby, they, it's an in and out show. Well, no, it's like we seem to get it if people are sick. You tell someone you're sick, people will at most, like, drop off food and run away. Um, You know, and, like, those are typically really good friends or really nosy, annoying people. One of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, Here's an example. Your grandmother getting visitors. 10 o'clock at night, 1 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, well, that was like one mm-hmm. family member, actually, um, that I... I mean, granted, she got it after the one-time conversation, but I was so mad that night. Mm-hmm. And the sad part is, I think it was about the first time she ever saw me lose my temper. Mm-hmm. Like... She had this idea of who I was right. and done a lot, like, you know, like stuff going on there. Um, like I have walked through like some fiery moments w- with this woman and I don't think she ever saw me lose my temper. Like I was just like, okay, that, you know, cool, whatever, cool, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And that night, I just absolutely snapped. I like I could have strangled her mm-hmm. because what had happened in this situation? She called and talked to my grandmother, ninety some years old. Everyone else in the world has figured out, heard, been told, whatever. 
she has dementia. She talked to my grandmother. My grandmother hung up the phone. I just looked over and said, oh, who was that? And she's, oh, no. Well, what were y'all talking about? Oh, no. We went back to watching our program. Flash forward a month later, I get a call, 11-something at night. Hey, we just crossed over, blah, 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 and we'll be there in about an hour. What? Meanwhile, woke my grandmother up out of bed because she called the house phone. So, of course, my grandmother gets back up to meet and greet. So she gets there and comes through, bounding through the front door, just like, hey, we made it. I said, well, that's great. Let me go work on the guest room. You know, and, and she's kind of like, what is your problem? And I'm like, did you think about calling to let me know? Well, I called Mamma. I told her. She has dementia. I know nothing. She knows nothing that you were coming. And this house <laughs> does not run like a Swiss watch, Swiss watch based bed and breakfast. Okay. I need warning. I need a month of warning mm -hmm. just to handle you being here for like two days. Mm -hmm. Because there are so many slow moving parts in this house. Mm -hmm. Like breakfast is an ordeal. Lunch is an ordeal. Dinner is an ordeal. We have people scheduled to bathe her, to come in and do this. We have like all these things. Mm -hmm. I cannot just drop two random people on my doorstep mm -hmm. at like one in the morning into this mix mm -hmm. like i and i like was said way more angry than i sound right now let me tell you um and she just was like oh, i'm sorry <laughs> like do do we need to stay somewhere else and i'm like no i'll make it work yeah but like, that's the whole point yeah it's like, no, you don't, mm-mm, no. Like, not cool, guys. But, you know, people, I don't know, they just like the team, the crowd, or, there yeah, they are. Sorry, guys, I've been creating on my desk today, or my desk has been creating. <laughs> Madison's got a question, we'll get that, and then we'll go on to relationship advice. All righty, Madison, 1215, over 18. Yeah, they're legal. They're legal. Sorry, that's one of those dates that messes with me. I don't understand why, honey. It's not. It... I don't know. Like, you're not allowed to be 18 yet. Is that okay? Can I say that? Am I old enough to say that now? You're not allowed to be 18, Madison, because I remember 2001. Uh-huh. She's actually over 18. She's enjoying her, hopefully, her 21st year. Yeah, I know, but still. Ugh. 
So does Sean does Sean have any interest in reconciling? Yes, he does. But here's the thing, you're going to, have to be lazy with it. Okay. You're going to have to be the lady in the cage just sitting back there letting him work for it. Work for it, Madison. That means you're not texting him. You're letting him text you. You're not asking him out. He's asking you out. You're sitting back and being relaxed and let him, I don't know, mow the grass, change the light bulb, look like he's useful. Okay? Now go play with some Tonka trucks and braid someone's hair. <laughs> God. Oh, come on now. All right, on to relationship <laughs> advice. <sighs> Fun relationship advice. Okay. Oh, goodness. Well, this is a short one. It is. All right. So, what are the signs that you are in a healthy relationship? A lot of people give out the red flags or signs that the relationship is unhealthy or toxic. But I'm curious to know the opposite. What exactly a healthy relationship means to you, or what are the signs that you're in a healthy relationship and that you're with a good person? And I'm letting you take this one, because they hear me talk about relationship all the time. Oh, seriously? Like, I'm a Yes, I'm throwing you on things. Yeah. Like, I'm a horrible, horrible. And I think the reason we end up talking about red flags is because the, like, it's honestly easier to, to, to sit there and talk about the problematic signs mm -hmm. than to sit there and, and, like, really nail it down for any one person what a good relationship is. That changes by person. It is very glove custom fit. Right. Um, but I think some overall signs is you feel comfortable with the person. Mm -hmm. They at least need to match your style of sense of humor. Um, they got to be able to bounce back from an argument and see it as a negotiation. Basically, yes. Um, someone you can actually tell off but not tell off, meaning you're not telling them that they're trash. You're telling them that this behavior is creating insecurity about, to you by a very big point. Mm -hmm. um, they got to get you and get you good. Um, example, Techie Joe gets me good. He leaves me in my planner world. He leaves me to go to work as I want to. You know, he doesn't. Oh, that's not what you meant. Okay. Sometimes that gets you real good, though. Sometimes you do get me real good. Like, I'll um, walk you right into one and then be like, spring. Yeah, but that's your sense of humor. <laughs> um, a good mate needs to be able to want you to be better, enable you to be better, but not control you to be their version of better. Yeah, like, there's, like, that's one, like, and I was noticing that was one of the first comments. The, was that the person you're with actually makes you want to be a better version of yourself and doesn't pour their insecurities into you. And then you even still have to be careful with that one. Yeah. Like. Because you'll create your own insecurities. Well, but I was meaning more so, like, you got to be really careful with that one. Like, better for you. Mm-hmm. 
not better in the grand like analysis of human beings exactly Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like there there's a version inside of all of us that could probably be mother Teresa, Mm -hmm. but no right you also Um, need to be able to do give and take Example, I have salad, he has macaroni and cheese. Hey, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it either. Leave my damn salad alone. Hey, I bought the salads, all right? I know. I brought the salad into our relationship. No, you didn't. (laughs) You can thank Mary for bringing the salad into our relationship. Um, Okay. Because she's the one who suggested them for lunch one day. And I was like, oh, that sounds lovely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, though, granted, you still, like... And I have to say, in terms of relationships, I think the weirdest moment was... I, I do some things reflexively. I, like, it's just a thing in my head that you do. And the first time I packed his lunch, it messed with his head. Like, it did. It messed you up. Yes, it did. He packed me enough for our office. I did. Because, like, I just have this assumption that nothing bad comes of overpacking a lunch. Like, nothing bad happens. Nothing. No one has ever suffered because a lunch was overpacked. Like, you just bring it back home. You just don't eat it. You just, you know, give someone a sandwich because they forgot their lunch or they don't have time to run out or they whatever. Mm-hmm. Nothing bad happens. Mm-hmm. You underpack a person's lunch and bad shit happens. Well, as long as you remember to put meat on their sandwich. But anyhow, that's a secondary story. Hey. You you got told in the beginning that story before I even started. Exactly. And then you started packing, like, mini meals, which I normally prefer a lunch that's a leftover dinner. A mini oh, yeah. dinner. Um, especially when you're rotating food out. But, you know, and then there's other things like being able to turn a problem into a joke or into an empowerment that a partner does, i.e. knock-knock. Well, yeah. Yeah. I'm not finding that one nearly as funny as you do. You <laughs> love that joke. Um, but, and we are not getting on to that on this show. Um, but, but. Kind um, of pops you out of your head every time you start overthinking. Well, you know, but still. Um, maybe the barista chat, but not here. Um, but no, like, and, and, but there are things that like, I, you also have to notice how someone responds to like a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, and you have to notice that from both sides, Mm -hmm. um, because one, no one gets out of this alive and everyone has trauma. Um, like, and it's, some of it's intentional. Like some people just had shitty parents and shitty siblings and shitty ex-partners and shitty people all through their life. Sometimes it's an accident. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes it's a joke gone too far that turned into a trauma. Um, so, you know, like there's things like that. 
Um, you know, it's just this one-off thing. Whatever. You got to notice when someone has trauma around something. And then you've got to figure out how to work with that. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll go into this one really quickly, and I'll try to do it as delicately as possible. Mm-hmm. Asen, for example, has a real problem with what I can only term as fuck-up trauma. As in, if if he has something that happens... He immediately goes into this belief that that it's his fault and he could have prevented it and he should have done this and he should have done that and he should have done these 50 other things. And he expects for whoever enters this situation to yell, scream, berate, just yell all this stuff at him. Like, you're a fuck up. You didn't do this right. If you'd done it this way, blah, blah, blah. And he just waits for it. And it's like, no. Like, not doing that. Like, it's a situation. It happened. Like, we'll fix it. Like, is where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, like, that's all we can do. Like, I can sit here. Like, I'm not saying I don't have, like, some first, like, knee-jerk, shitty first drafts in my head. They're like, ah. I have those, but then it's like, but, you know, yeah, what I really feel is like, oh, fuck, why did that have to happen today? And it's like, it's not his fault. It really isn't. I, You know, or even if it is, it's not like, you know, like, it's fixable. We'll fix it. It may take a little, little while, but we'll fix it. It'll be okay. It's not a big deal. You know, grand scheme of the universe. Did anyone die? No one died. Um, you know, it'll be okay. Um, and that took a while in our relationship. And even still, I think you still are just kind of like you're waiting for it. Like, yeah, it, this is going to be the one. This is going to be the one. He's going to blow. He's going to blow. I know he's going to, like, he's just going to explode. But you're, like, way better than the first time. Because mm-hmm. that first time, like, you wouldn't talk to me for, like, 45 minutes. Like, you just kind of sat in the seat. And, and, like, you just, like, randomly started apologizing for everything that you had ever done wrong, ever, actually. Um, And I was like, okay, yeah, I can tell someone has really done a number on this one. Um, In terms of, like, I'm going to make you feel as bad as humanly possible for something that just, it's unfortunate, it happened. Mm-hmm. It sucks. We got to deal with it. Like, and instead of giving you that, someone just like decided that what would feel better for them mm-hmm. was to unload their displeasure all over you. And like recognizing that someone like those are the kind of things you have to recognize and go, yeah, we don't ever do that. Right. Like, that's not, mm -mm, no, we do not fuck with people's trauma. 
Right. Um, like one, that's always like a gate check for me. It's like, right. mm -mm, no matter how bad it is, I cannot be that person for you. Right. One and two, um, to, to also know that like, if we get into a situation where someone looks like they're going to do that to you, it's like, mm -mm, no, we got to intervene because no one deserves that. Right. Like those are people that are a real problem for, for you. Like, mm -mm, no, 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 no. Um, you can deal with me on that one. Like I, I will take that in and I will work through that for them mm -hmm. and help them with that. And right. then we'll move on. Yeah. Um, because the reality is like, that's a really horrible coping skill that, that some people have without recognizing like what it does to other human beings, which is horrific. Mm -hmm. Like you don't do this to people. Yep. Like, don't ever do this to people. Right. So, we do have a great big announcement. You mm -hmm. guys are going to start having a Thursday show. Tea and coffee is going weekly. Mm -hmm. Now, the co-host seat is going to be changing. We're going to be rotating through psychics. Um, of course, Dottie will still be going on coffee and tea on the third weekend, uh, third Thursday of each month, but each week it's going to be a different one. We've got a full month, you know, I get to have coffee with different ones. So mm -hmm. that will be occurring starting at 8 p.m. this Thursday with tea and coffee with Natalie McVickers. She's going to be having coffee with us the fourth Thursday of each month, talking about what's mm -hmm. going on. Um, of course, she's drinking tea. I'm drinking my double bullet coffee. For those that aren't in the barista group, you guys really need to join that so you can get my bullet, my bullet coffee recipe. Yes. <laughs> but that will be going on. So I will be seeing you Thursday. Me and Jill will be back here with Mountain Bears on Friday. <sighs> and our Patreons. Oh, we love our Patreons. We will be seeing you tomorrow night at 8 p.m. in our Zoom room. This is live interactive conversation. And we'll be talking about something because you guys didn't get a video Sunday for a reason. <laughs> yeah. I think you're going to be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's a, a mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. There you go. There you so, uh, yeah, that should be a fun conversation. We always like our barista chats. They're, they're really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, and we do want to thank Beverly Walker, Mika G, Kathy, Mary Winfield, Brenda Bryant, Ashley Guest, Shannon C, Shannon D, the ever-wonderful Lady Gwendolyn, Charles Shaw, and Dottie the Psychic. If you'd like to learn more about us, the show, or how you too can become one of our baristas by becoming a Patreon sponsor, please visit us at pcspnetwork.com. Yep. And until then, we'll see you later. You guys take care. Bye, y'all. Bye. Yo